You're listening to the Saturday Morning D&D Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Saturday Morning RPG Show. My name is Jordan, with a silent PH in the middle, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. It's been a while, sir. Hello. Hello. How are, are you, you today? <laughs> yes, it's been a while. Uh, I'm good. Uh, good morning. I hope we have some people in chat. We'll see. Because um, we've been off for so long. I'm like, I don't even, and I don't, I don't know who's going to show up today, but that's okay. Uh, lots to cover, though. Lots to talk about. So if you're new here, we kind of do yeah. uh, RPG talk show stuff and talk about news and the games we're playing and fun things about that and all the other kind of cool stuff in the world mm-hmm. of tabletop rpgs um at least which, a few things right yeah well so this was interesting this isn't um i off i heard in america and the uk in, in english-speaking countries i guess we call it tabletop role-playing games and in japan the same type of game they call it table talk role-playing games and i was like that really more accurately describes i believe our the genre of game we are playing yes because we don't always have a table talk (laughs) but it's this idea of like it's a conversation it's not just like and i thought that was kind of cool um and so i like that i'm like japan you're 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 always innovative there you go you're always on top of it (laughs) what's the number (laughs) one rpg tabletop rpg in japan lucian do you know I want to say, is it Call of Cthulhu? It's Call of Cthulhu, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I thought I had heard that. I heard that from CJ way back in an interview, and it shocked me, like totally Isn't that crazy. Me. They love D and D, but it was like, well, they love the that that style of horror. I think is in so much of their manga and stuff. Like, I, there's an audience yeah. for that that I think they're just like, oh yeah, like we yeah. want to be crazy adventurers that are running through the city of tokyo while like monsters and and he talked about they put out um books that people can pick up at a bookstore and read that are basically a role-playing session as both the player and the character but transcripted out so not only are you hearing the transcripted part of the player interaction but also the character interaction and it's almost like a writing of you know all of the, like I, I don't know like the way they do for stage writing or whatever screenplay writing oh yeah it's yeah, like yeah. doing a screenplay of a live live play right so you get all of the stuff um that's it's an cool. interesting and i don't see that anywhere else uh but that apparently is a popular way to consume that type of um content there and it's like oh that's very interesting something we don't have here <laughs> yeah for sure um super fun so the top of the D&D news is Book of Many Things, which, uh, wow. boy, do I have it? I think I, I canceled Based on my the deck. So I canceled my D&D Beyond description or prescri- prescription. Prescription. My you were subscription. Sick. Didn't have enough D&D. Um, yeah. During the OGL debacle. And yeah. it stopped uh, working on because I bought the year long one. So it actually mm-hmm. stopped working in October. And all of a sudden, I'm like, where are my characters? Oh. <laughs> and I haven't bought it back yet. I, we'll see if I do. Um, mostly because I'm not running D&D right now. But um, mm-hmm. so uh, I usually had a lot of the books shared with me with from Ted. But I don't think I got uh, 
I didn't get Planescape all of a sudden. And I'm like, I wonder if that's because I have, um, I canceled my thing. And so mm-hmm. uh, I went looking for Planescape and I'm like, oh, but I thought the Book of Many Things was out. Maybe it's well, I thought your DM, Nathan, was the other person that was always buying the books and sharing it with his players. Yeah, he, he was too. as well. Yeah. yeah. So I got Mine was Danimal. He was buying sources, it all. So. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but it looks like I don't have it. So I'm assuming. Oh boy, it's a good thing you have the, the true copies. <laughs> oh, Book of Many Things, new. Uh, do I have access to it? Uh, let's click a chapter. I do not. So it is out. Mm-hmm. I would have to buy it, which is fine. I could do that. And I've always bought the books anyways, even when I did get access through D&D Beyond, which was nice. Typically, yeah. they're still up on my shelf. So it's like I did go buy them. I just well, the I like reason the, I, the convenience of D&D Beyond. Yeah. The reason I bring this up is like <clears throat> um, I wanted to make sure that it was out. Like you could, you could actually go see it because the, the yeah. big thing with the Book of Many Things is that there was a... Uh, delay in the product and uh, apparently the cards were misprinted and had a bunch of uh, they were cut wrong and so when you're really trying to be like the cards are like the whole thing the thing um, we kind of want to go back and do this and uh, I don't know how bad it was a couple people were saying like that's kind of the problem with production and oftentimes for kickstarters it's like hey i kickstarted this board game oh we had a couple defects with this this is what you get you know like there's no Mm -hmm. recall because there's kind of like this is just what we have and and you were unfortunately were part of that run uh but on top of that i think watsi is trying to show that they are like a company about quality and awesomeness and things like that so Mm -hmm. uh they definitely pulled it back but because of the cards and it's such a physical thing i think this really hurts them in the end because like they want people buying this for christmas you know and we'll see if it gets there anytime i'm not sure but yeah they want this on the shelf for sure but the product itself i think is very cool like they're Mm -hmm. uh not only just the cards but uh there was a video where they showed them building an adventure with the cards and there's a whole Mm -hmm. um kind of tarot reading style where you can shuffle the cards lay them down interpret them to build an entire campaign like where did my party start why are they going here what is the conflict how do they resolve Mm -hmm. the conflict and i was like that alone like can you imagine like hey guys want to play DD? you roll up characters i'm gonna go over here I'm going to like throw down some cards and then come back and you guys play like a two hour session that you just made up. So cool. Yeah. Like, I think yeah. that's cool. So this no, is I a, think that's a great idea. And this is a book that is very much just pushed to dungeon masters. We don't mm-hmm. see that a lot. Like a lot of times it's like, like uh, let's look at big bees, for example, here's a couple of, uh, well, here's a monster book. But then on top of that, uh, here's some, you know, giant themed stuff for party mm-hmm. members and things like that. And it's like, okay, it's they're trying to get like a mix of both players in this. Uh, but this one is just like, it's for DMs. And I think that's cool. Like it, that's what it's for. Yeah. So. Very cool. And it's like a lot of cards. So if you were a fan of deck made things, which is a very prevalent thing in Dungeons and Dragons, that's a, that's a magic item that almost many, many players have heard of, or at least heard yeah. stories of. It's like understanding who Vecna is or, you know, that kind of thing. And they had 22 cards and then they add 44 more. Yeah. So now you're up to 66. And it's like, you can have those physically in hand. You can do cool things, I think, on a virtual desktop 
with those kind of cards too. With the right you, you software, know, I'm sure yeah. you can do the scanned in, or they might even have them on D&D Beyond. Maybe you can have yeah, them. Yeah, you know, because Roll20 has a card mechanic built in. Yeah. So like, because uh, I was looking at that about trying to do Invisible Sun. I was like, mm -hmm. oh, I wonder if I could like scan the cards and card like, use them there. Um, absolutely can <laughs> which i could yeah but uh it'd be a lot of work to put it in there <laughs> there's a lot yes. of cards but it's kind of the same thing but i was like no i i think that's really cool i was a little here's what i was sad about part mm -hmm. of me and maybe somebody else will do this but um tarot decks are public domain and we're in a weird resurgence where people are buying a lot of tarot decks for some reason and uh so you get all kinds of different tarot decks like you can get like here's my like 8-bit gamer tarot deck or here's this one <laughs> and part of me is like i wonder if we can make a transition of the deck of many things to an applicable tarot deck because uh that would be fun to uh these cards are specifically made for the deck of many things and it would be fun to build a deck of many things mechanic behind an existing tarot deck. Somebody probably has already done that. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, that was the one thing that I'm like, I'm a little sad that I can't buy this book. And then some third party out there makes their version of the deck of many things with really cool art. And I can be like, Oh, that's cool. And I can take it, but uh, mm -hmm. yeah, we'll see. Anyway. Um, I, I think it's a cool concept. I've seen one game played where, they, he started out the game with his players by drawing cards from a deck that he had had commissioned artists to do this cool Terra deck. Mm -hmm. And he maneuvered the storyline and the things that were happening based on the cards. So he had an overall kind of plot theme that he was going for, but the cards could influence that as they were drawing them. And it really pushed the story in crazy cool ways and it gave the dungeon master a lot of enjoyment because all of a sudden there was something you didn't know was going to happen. Yeah. And now it's going to weave into the game. And that's where your fun comes in as the dungeon master is seeing how the unknown gets woven into this framework that you've created of, oh, here's the big bad guy. Here's my party. They're doing their things. But now this, this other thing happens that you just had no idea. Now you're kind of surprised just like they are right it's yeah. not like you know everything that's going to happen that's that's what the dice add to these games and i think that's why we still gravitate to these games because it's not just a conversation where i say what do you do and i get to do anything i want by just saying anything i want the dice still have a role to play in maybe something happens or maybe something doesn't or maybe something surprises everybody just like a tarot deck drawing could be that it surprises everybody. So I think it's a cool mechanic that probably should show up more often. <laughs> I thought well, you could do your initiative yeah. that way to have people draw those cards. And uh, funny you say that. That would be initiative. Uh, yeah. Uh, Dragon, Dragon Bane, the one behind you yeah. on the shelf there, they use cards yeah. for initiative. Cards, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 I applaud them. I think this is a great book. I think they're, they're, you know, the, the, the deck of many things was always the campaign ender because it caused so many problems. And I think this mm -hmm. is explaining how to better use the deck of many things. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of that and they expanding it was really cool. I think it's fun. Um, in my research, I was working on a deck of many things video, but I haven't put it out yet. But in my research, I found that there's an old adventure from dragon magazine that involves the original 22 card deck and every card of that deck sealed a door. And so if you wanted to go through this dungeon, which you had to for whatever reason you had to go through the dungeon, 
every character that your your or your party members would have to draw the card out of the lock to open the door and so it was a way to get them to like build the deck as they're going and to it was kind mm -hmm. of a cool idea and i was like i think that would work with this really well too like if you want to and then yeah. the dm like you were just saying doesn't know what cards they're going to pull what card is associated with what lock um and mm -hmm. it, it made for a really interesting way to use the deck so um look for That's that really video cool. on the main channel at some yeah. point in the future and now so, you're talking about locks and you put up that cool supplement of building locks yeah logistical um, that locks. was really cool too you so like look that? that up if you haven't seen that i yeah. love that that was a really good supplement yeah you so should that's uh, on uh, post that one in chat it was good jorfton.itch.io you can go check out logistical yeah. locks or if you're on my patreon it's there for free um <laughs> or it's there if you are a patron um but mm -hmm. uh that was a uh, that was like i gotta i had i love how monty cook is builds the characters where you kind of build a sentence and so then i was thinking like how could you build a sentence with a lock and it works surprisingly yeah, it well. works really so, well <laughs> yeah. um, if you use it in yeah. the future let me know uh and you keep saying monty cook i heard yeah. the cube is back it is for those who want to get it and yeah. didn't have a chance to get it <laughs> yeah the yeah. kickstarter i didn't put right that in now. the notes and I, it's not a kickstarter it's, it's a backer kit um yeah but backer kit. they have it, it uh, i don't know what secret world people live in where they hear about the black cube but uh invisible sun is back and um it has surpassed the original like uh kickstarter so like there's yeah. lots more people getting this black cube and there's add-ons and then because it was so popular they made a subsection of like well if you already have the black cube and you want the new add-ons you can just do that and so i was like backed thank you very much so mm -hmm. i'm getting some of the new stuff that they're making for invisible sun and I cool. and like I've said this before, but I think when my purple, purple uh, planet game is done, I know they still want to play DCC. But I I have two friends that are just so curious about Invisible Sun, and so I'm like, we might we might do a long form Invisible Sun game and just try it out and yeah. see if you guys like it. So you just kind of do that that whole moment where you invited them over and you just tell them we're gonna play a, a role playing game. You guys come over. <laughs> and you bring him down to the game room and the black cube is just sitting in the center of the table. <laughs> I love it. No, uh, man, there's just something about Monty Cook's games that yeah, really, so really draw me in. Um, and mm -hmm. Invisible Sun is is one of those. Uh, okay, what is Dragonair? I saw a, okay. a video for this. Yes. And I, and I saw the same thing you're probably going to talk about, the painting that he was using as a shield. And I was yeah. like, oh, okay. And I'm like, but what is this? What are the game mechanics? What What is this game? Like, it seems like it came out of nowhere. So, so this is a video yeah, so game, anyway, I think. The only reason Lucian knows about it is because Lucian will play a few gotcha games, which if anybody doesn't know that term, these are games where there's some type of mechanic to open a box and you might get a hero. There's different rarities and you're always trying to chase the legendaries or this, you know, whatever the, the name is for the best that's out there. So Dragon Age, Dragon Air is a game that it has these gotcha mechanics where you have a couple of heroes and you go quest on these couple of different maps and you fight bosses and monsters and you follow the storyline and you can interchange the different heroes that you have through your battle and you can move them around and it's a kind of a point and click. So very, very, um, there's lots of those types of games out there. And they recently have been advertising that Dritz was coming. And so they had a D&D tie-in. And the only real D&D tie-in before that is there is a D20 
that pops up in the game where every now and then you click on it to roll a skill check kind of thing and you've got to roll over the the dc modifier so it has so a this little is bit an of existing plan. game it wasn't yeah, built it's out right it, now it, they're it's doing Steam. a dragon dungeons and dragons tie-in it's not like it was a dungeons and dragons game correct but uh, i don't think their advertising made that as clear as it yeah could be. i thought I it was they a... leaned a lot into making it think it was a D&D game when it's not necessarily a Dungeons and Dragons okay. game. Um, and you don't just get drits when you sign in, which is what they kind of say, like, hey, come play our game because now you can get drits. You actually still have to go through the gotcha mechanic, which means you get these little crystals, and then if you get enough of them, you can go roll and you do your summoning, and there's only a chance. There's like a 2% oh. chance to summon a legendary, which makes you want to play the game more. Mm. Oh, but you also could buy these things if you want to not have to play, you know, so there's... Yeah, I don't be think careful. I like <laughs> Be careful on these types of games where you have, where you can buy those kinds of things. Gotcha's kind of tough. It's not for everybody, especially if you have a gambling problem. You definitely don't want to be in gotcha. <laughs> it, yeah. it uses gambling mechanics to, to, to bring you in. But yeah. I have been playing the game. Cool. I have enjoyed the, the hero and character creation. You can get it on iOS, you know, the Google phone store app, Android app. Yeah. It, I, it is on Steam. I did I, yeah, see I it, on, it on Steam. So. Um, so you can find it in a bunch of different places. The graphics look better if you play it on the PC. They're, they're stuck at medium if you're playing it on your phone or your device, which are still pretty good. It has some cool characters in there, some interesting things. Um, do you have drips? interesting game if you're in that style? I do not. I have not been able to draw him yet, and I'm not gonna sink money in, so I don't <laughs> know if I'm good or not. Um, but we shall see. Um, so, but it's interesting. I would love to be able to get him. The game is so far been pretty interesting. It's it's definitely a game you pick up and say, you've got 10 or 15 minutes while you're waiting for your kid to put his clothes on because he's gonna go to school or something. You're like, oh, I'll just play a couple, I'll play a map while I'm waiting, you know, or something, mm. then you can put it away. It's that type of game, it's not something you would play like a MMORPG where you might sit down for seven hours and play, I guess, unless you're really hooked on it. Um, right. I'd be curious to see if other people were playing it. It's an interesting game. And, it's, and since I had a D and D tie in, I thought, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I'm glad up. you brought it up. Cause I was, I thought it was like a brand new D and D game that came out. So I thought so too. And that's why I got it, but it is not. <laughs> um, Dungeons and Dragons adventures. This is Hasbro's yes. new fast channel which is on plex that's where i saw it and it's also on amazon i think it's called freebie or something free something it's their free tv so then i was like what's fast well fast is free ad supported streaming television um and so i think i guess there's a market for this i don't really know i didn't know that i did know that my plex uh login has these like channels but I didn't mm -hmm. really ever watch them. <laughs> so I was like, mm -hmm. okay, I don't know. Um, but like Crackle, I think is one where you can watch like oh, horror okay, movies yeah. and stuff. And so this is this is one that is Hasbro's and it's Dungeons and Dragons Adventures. And if it takes off, they want to put more content on there. But right now it is a, I think it's three shows, uh, which are actual plays and then a cooking show and a... Uh, the original 1980s D&D cartoon. That is what they are currently streaming. The fallback. <laughs> um, which I'm like, they own that cartoon, but I'm like, you guys got to do something with it. Like the yeah, people that remember that cartoon are not your current D&D &D players. <laughs> like you, you mm -hmm. keep advertising it, but it's like, you should do something with that. 
Um, so it's this new fast channel. I was very lucky. Uh, the people that did Faster Purple Worm Kill Kill, which is Matthew Lillard's Beetling Grim show for this, mm-hmm. uh, they contacted me and I got to do a fun interview with them uh, with Matthew Lillard and Bill. And Bill is the host and he is uh, very funny. Um, so it's, I, I was talking to Lucian about this. You actually have to get home by six o'clock and tune in because it is literally streaming live. You can't rewind. There's no like TiVo kind of functions to it, which is really frustrating. Um, mm-hmm. So you have to tune in live and maybe Plex and maybe Amazon has a way for you to like record live TV and watch it back later. I don't know. Um, the old I wanted to watch, uh, they, they sent me the first episode of Faster Purple Worm Kill Kill via Google Drive, and I watched it, the video, and I was like, this is hilarious. And so I went to go watch the second one, but then I had to go to rehearsal and stuff, and I completely missed it. So I don't know if this will take off just because nobody watches TV like this anymore. Right. Um, and it's I'm on like, Thursday and it's at on, 6 p.m. Yeah, like, your time or 6 p.m. 6 p.m. My, my time, yeah. So I don't oh, know so if that's... it's 6 p.m. every time zone. I'm not sure. but Yeah, so you're mountain. <laughs> yeah. So you're, that's eight for me then. Okay. But I I was like, I don't know. I don't know if this will work. I've checked it out a couple times, and there were like a couple streaming shows where I'm like, well, I don't really know who these people are. But if it gets people watching live actual plays, and if actual plays are a thing, it could be cool. Um, mm-hmm. And I did like this because it's a it's a way to watch uh, streaming that isn't Twitch. And now that I think about it, lots of people tune in to Twitch uh, at a very yeah. specific time to watch something. So uh, yeah. maybe this will take off and people will have so it's a like faster a, it's purple aimed at a Twitch audience. So uh, hmm. yeah, I don't know. But yeah, you can't chat during this one, so I don't know. Uh, but I would recommend Faster Purple Worm Kill Kill, not just because I got to chat with Matthew Lillard, but I, I legit was laughing out loud. It's very funny. Um, <laughs> it reminds me a lot of Harmon Quest, uh, back when Harmon Quest was on CISO, which was cool. CISO. <laughs> that is no more. Uh, DCC, oh, yeah. uh, Purple Planet, the combined purple planet book. So they took the box set and they turned it into a big book. And the reason I bring this up is because, well, a, I like DCC, but also I am running the purple planet right now. So I think it's a very good, uh, supplement and you should get it. It is coming to Kickstarter. If it is not already there, uh, I couldn't remember if it came out yet. Um, looks like it is not there yet. Yeah. Maybe a December Kickstarter. So, but uh, it's called Return to the Purple Planet. Um, and they're going to have some new uh, new adventures in the book that weren't in the original Kickstarter. So I'm not going to back this because I have the box set. Uh, and I'll probably just find PDFs or I'll buy PDFs of the, um, the extra stuff if I look like it's interesting. But we'll see. But... Um, this is, it's been out of print for so long. So if you want the actual, if you want like a physical book, I think this is the way to go. And I like physical books. So, yeah, I can't never not say purple planet people eater. I mean, it's yeah. like, it's ingrained. Like <laughs> those two words have to be, <laughs> yeah, it's just in there. I can't not do it. Um, Candela Obscura like is out question mark. I know it's out to reviewers. I saw Bob got a copy. A couple other people got a copy. Um, so this is big. This is, uh, uh, Critical Role's first RPG, in-house RPG that they've Yeah, because the other one's not out yet, I don't think, the other one they're working on. Because uh, they're working on two. Daggerheart is the other one, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and so a lot of people are like, is this the new like horror kind of RPG? And uh, it could be. I don't know. I actually I didn't watch their their Candela Obscura show. Um, I've been kind of out of the loop with with the critical role, I feel. <laughs> I'm kind of just doing my yeah. own thing and my indie RPG stuff over here. But I am curious about uh, Candela because it is slightly based on Blades in the Dark, and that's a very good system. Mm -hmm. And um, it could, it's really cool, I guess. So, but I think it's, I think it's awesome. Very that we're, story we're driven. Getting, and... Yeah. And if anybody, I think uh, Critical Role has the, the, um, the, the drive to get Candela Obscura into the hands of people who might not mm -hmm. normally play a game like that and yeah. find out that they really like it. And then that will open more doors, hypothetically. Um, and just the idea of like, oh my gosh, we could play a game using 2D6 rather than a D20. Like that can blow <laughs> people's minds sometimes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. Sorry. So uh, <laughs> this is funny. RPG DMCA was like, hey, you know, people tune in Saturday mornings for this show. And so they could, you could totally tune in for faster purple worm kill kill. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Good for you. I am not paying attention. Um, yeah. <laughs> There, a BlizzCon, I think it's called BlizzCon, DiabloCon. Yeah, BlizzCon. But BlizzCon, no, BlizzCon, they announced Diablo is getting a tabletop RPG in 2024. Not much is I known just got about an email. it. Not much is known about it. Oh well, what's in the email? Do you know the system? Uh, Do you know anything? Tell me. So they're, they, I know who they're partnered with, but what they did is they sent out a survey at the moment, and they were asking questions about what do you consider to be a the, uh, the Diablo franchise, how do you describe it? How would it look in a tabletop role-playing game? And what things do you think have to be included that would make this a Diablo tabletop role-playing game? So there's a big survey that went out. I just filled mine out and sent it back. I'm, I'm interested to see. They have not said what the dice mechanics are yet, what the engine is yet. They probably don't. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's in early phases. I think it's... Um, but I'm interested to see because... I've been playing a ton of Diablo 4 in the last month or two, so I'm interested to see. I think it's perfect for a tabletop role-playing game. And I've seen Matt Cor or not Matt, um, Bruce Cordell's version when they were back with TSR and, and still with Wizards. They had did a tie-in with Diablo, and they tried to make a, here you can use these rules if you want to play a style Dungeons & Dragons game. But I'd be interested to see somebody who's going to take it from the ground up and say, okay, we're going to build the Diablo game, not just make it, you know, the same as a 3.5 and make it work or a five, you know, 5e yeah. game and make it work. This is a game, let's build mechanics that make this game work. I love it make when it setting like and mechanics are married together. Like it just seems yeah. to really fit well. Um, Invisible Sun is yeah. like that, you know? And how much Diablo have you played? Not, not necessarily what version, but like Diablo one, two, three or four have which one did you uh, play? And which one did I you just play haven't played four. I've played one, two, and three. I played two a lot, and I played three a lot, and I played through the expansions, okay. but I haven't, I haven't played four. Okay. Um, I I have a couple friends that are playing it. They were trying to get me to buy it, but I was like, you know, I just mm -hmm. am not as interested in it for some reason. I'm loving my necromancer. I'm loving my so. necromancer. But the reason I ask is, what would be? Because this is one of the questions they had. What would be the three words, or maybe just little combo words? would you use to describe a Diablo tabletop role-playing game? Like what would make it a Diablo TTRPG 
quintessential and not just be Dungeons and Dragons? Like, what would they have to have? Oh, to make it probably have to have some kind of like loot generator. I think there was. Yeah, yeah, I was like, that's what I put in immediately. Like loot, because it's like (laughs) you would want to be able to randomly roll for things that you find. I assume. Perfect. Um, So I was wondering because I wanted to ask you. We've been we've talked about D D mechanics. We'll we'll get back to news here just a second. But imagine if you were to build a game. Most of the time when we design a game, we think about how's the story going to run or what characters can they build. And then the abilities of the characters are really where the power ramp up happens and they gain levels and that's how they become more powerful. But what if you were building a game where the premise was it's the equipment that makes you powerful or is the ramp up piece? And there has to be a lot of equipment throughout the game versus the types of games we get now where in D&D magic items are important but they're not well they're not what gives the character its identity right because yeah yeah um well you know knave is ben milton's knave uh you don't mm-hmm. have a class you you have the class of whatever weapon you're holding so like if you are, if you have a sword and you're attacking, and then if you have a shield, you get different abilities. But if you drop both of those and pick up a mage staff, well, now you can cast spells, but you can't do the other mm-hmm. things. Um, kind of like Final Fantasy fourteen, where you could swap your weapon to be whatever you needed. Which uh, I'm playing at the moment too. And I think that can work really well. So uh, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I, I just know that we talked about a lot of different games that we've, talked about building or working on or, or making work i don't know if we've ever thought what if the the main catch was the loot like that's yeah. that's the starting point of there's going to be lots of loot that happens i want to give players the chance to look at all these things and then decide which one they want sell or scrap the rest and do whatever and then the the goal is they're anxious to go find the next cool item yeah. you know like the next cool thing. but like mechanically like i can't how do you do wield that? until i find these twin short swords <laughs> and now i have the ability to dual wield but if i ever get rid of those yeah. i can't dual wield anymore or something like that yeah like and diablo yeah. always has like names to their weapons which um point to the affixes or the bonuses of the things that it can do so you don't just pick up a great sword it's usually like the great sword of slaying which meant yeah. it had bleed on it you know anything that's of slaying meant so they had a lot of these word prefix things which i thought then tied a little bit back into a little bit like when you did your your lock supplement it's almost like the magic items are a sentence right mm-hmm. and then the sentence describes what the bonuses or the abilities of the things are and i thought if you started going down that route you could make a really interesting role-playing game where the items are a sentence that describe the various tables that you could roll on and say okay this table says it's a dagger this table says it's of slaying this table says it's of this and all of a sudden you have there's bleed on it there's it's plus two to strength or you know whatever it could be and it builds those items and then those are the things that fall or, or get you know the players pick up and find or find yeah. a chest or whatever that was an interesting an interesting thought process of how you could create that and not make it a huge burden on the dungeon master but it needs to be fast like they they don't, yeah, they don't want like I feel hours like people, and hours of prep yeah, they need to give you an excel sheet that you can like refresh to generate <laughs> a new thing or something yeah 
Yeah, so, um, All right, but, but yeah, when it we, comes out, I will have it. I will are we coming it. into the world of tabletop tie-ins? Like, is it going to be the '80s all oh. over again? Like, we're getting yeah. Final Fantasy XIV's getting a tabletop. I, mm-hmm. I I see here like Fallout already got a tabletop, or you know, Alien, mm-hmm. now Diablo. Like, are we going to have yeah, the Alien? I'm trying to think of uh, every franchise will have one. Yeah, like Horizon Zero Dawn is going to have their own tabletop. Game it does. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Yeah. Um, are we getting yeah. to that point where they're popular again? You know, popular enough yeah. that like people are just like, well, we're coming out with a movie, you know, and we want a tabletop mm-hmm. tie-in because that's really going to help us go farther. Yeah. Right. So, who knows? I don't know. But what's Modifius doing? I think we're in the saturation. Yeah, I think we're in the saturation period yeah. where we get oversaturated with everything has a tie-in. So we have. I just saw My Little Ponies was a tabletop role-playing game yeah. in the books. I that's saw Power Rangers. I've got Transformers. Yeah. I've got GI Joe. I've got you know, I've got it all. So, um, I think we are there. Modifius. I, I put this in because I was browsing through. I get their newsletter, and I still love Modifius stuff because they tie in with Free League sometimes on some some things, and they have some cool IPs that they work with. Star Trek being one that I'm always keeping an eye on. But I noticed they have their new one is out, which they are they have a new Kickstarter out for their new fantasy dark fantasy role-playing game called cohorts of cthulhu or just cohorts cthulhu they have a cool font for it that makes it look really different than the way i typed it in there and it looks really interesting um for another 2d20 they love their 2d20 engine i think it's an easy system to pick up i'm curious to see there's already a kickstart guide out there if you want to go and take a look at it on their website so you can just get some rules i think it has some pre-generated characters had some of the rules, so you could just try a quick little uh, adventure to try it out. Looked very cool. The artwork looks fantastic. A lot of, like, Roman soldiers fighting Cthulhu creatures kind of vibe to it. And I was like, okay, I'm into this. This is kind of cool. So it's kind of like taking a, a, a different phase of history, maybe a, an alternate history, plus add Cthulhu in, so it, it looked pretty good. And then the other thing I saw in there that was really interesting was if you're a fan of the Fallout, they have released a Settler's Guide that's coming out. This has new character options, rules on building your own settlements for Fallout, um, companions like uh, pets and robots and things that can follow you around or attach to your character. Um, you can it has a whole system for building your own automatrons, which if you're a Fallout fan, you'll know what I'm talking about. More weapons and more factions. And I thought that's like a really cool... I've done a few of the Fallout games, but not all of them. But I feel like there's a big fan base out there of those for like Vault. Was it Vault 76 is out there and then Fallout yeah. 4 is out right now. And, you know, these are all big. There's lots of people that play these games. I wonder if they're also, you know, role playing. I'd love to see what this would look like as a tabletop role playing. Like, what's an adventure look like? What, you know, what's the group get to do? And because and, to me, they seem more like a single player game when you play them. And you interact with them, so I wonder what the the what it looks like when you're playing the tabletop. But Modifius has great quality. I always thought I like to bring out some of their stuff, and they do have some other things out there. There, you can get uh, the One Ring with Free League is out there too for all of you Lord of the Rings fans. They've got a bunch of supplements they've been releasing for that adventures and extra books and stuff. Um, they all look really good, and they were just put out another Star Trek book for Star Trek Adventures. So if you're a Star Trek Adventures fan, they've got um, the whole 23rd century book that they're bringing out to fight, you know, during that Cold War with the Klingons and stuff of that late 23rd century, if you want to play in that that era of Star Trek, which would be cool. 
which is kind of like your Kirks and things like that. Yeah, um, I got the, um, my wife got me the Lower Lord Decks X. Modifius supplement. <laughs> yes. um, and I sadly have not had time to dig into it because I've been memorizing lines for a play that I'm in. Um, but uh, super fun. Like, and I'm, I, I have the base game. And so that's another one that I want to, I want to run like a little, like, you know, six to eight adventure in star trek to see if i like the system and the game and stuff yeah so. where you're all instance you're not oh, none of the important so people on a starship you're just like <laughs> the lower decks so fun that's uh, a good concept i love it i don't know how much you want to talk about piezo stuff i know in our show we always have some type of piezo thing so the thing i was going to put out there is the the new additions are out so the gm core for pathfinder 2 and the uh, player core Pathfinder 2. This is their revision. This is their version of DD 2024. This is by, you know, their so, version yeah. of 5.5. E. So we had Pathfinder <clears throat> 1. They made a second edition, and this is like yes. a revised second edition. So it's yes. still it's still 2E, but they're just kind of cleaning up the language yeah. or like what is Two, it? 2.5E, I guess. Or I mean, yes, are there they... there's that big of changes? Like it's not just like a reprint. It's kind of a... Uh, no, yeah, there are some big... I've seen some videos of people talking about some of the changes. So it is definitely some rule changes. Definitely cleaning up of character creation and what characters okay. can do. Putting in a lot of the errata that they've put out over the years. There are a lot of their books that they've come out that have added things. They wanted to go back, and it was to tear out the OGL and to put in the Orc license was the oh, other yeah. big reason for doing some of these, and that gave them the opportunity to do a lot of the better formatting of how things work because they had that they had that problem that we ran into, and it's not always not all of Money Cooks. It was just I remember Invisible Sun. We talked about it was tough jumping from one book to another to figure out a certain mechanic that then was referenced yes. somewhere else. And we had to find that. And then we always thought that if they could do a different editing job, that would be so much better and be cooler. I felt like the Pathfinder two first book out was that way too. They had a lot of good ideas, but the editing team didn't put them all in the same places. So you, you had to find those yeah. things, yeah. you know, to find all of those things. I'm hoping that, and I want to get a copy of these, because I do have the the pocketbook ones, but I'd like to see what this revision is, that it's more streamlined. The things are in place in where you would need them, when you need them, when you're creating your character, and when you need to make that decision as a player, or when you're looking something up as a GM, those things are all in the same place. So I'm hoping that is there. You can go over to Demiplane, and a lot of this stuff is up on Demiplane if you want to see it there, just like you could go to DD Beyond for the Dungeons and Dragons things, you can go to Demiplane to see the Pathfinder things. And right now I still think it's in the free-ish phase for most of that as they're getting ramping Demiplane up to be the, the official BTT source. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I, I saw a couple of videos uh, of Pathfinder people that I follow on YouTube and they were like, here's like the updated wizard. And I was like, oh, is it really getting that? big of an update they but made some changes yeah i guess they some, are some so. real changes yeah um also this is a question for you do you think it's going to hurt pathfinder to not put their stuff in the ogl or sorry not put their stuff in creative commons like D D 5e did um in the sense that like that's available for yeah. everybody and if i want to use pathfinder stuff i now have to go through the orc license 
And some of my publisher mm -hmm. friends have said they'll never use the orc license because it's kind mm -hmm. of, it was created too quickly as a OGL replacement and it's not the best for publishing. Um, Got it. And I was curious because, you know, creative commons, it's just out there. Like it's already, you know, and not, and I know mm -hmm. that Pathfinder has different mechanics than D and D five E, but I think if you're going to make a fantasy type of supplement, when I can do it, not being restricted by the orc license, mm -hmm. I don't know. We'll see. I'm really curious about, uh, but Pathfinder, they have so much in-house content too. I don't think they rely a lot on like 5e, right. I feel relies a lot on other people making content for 5e, but, mm -hmm. um, I don't know if, if Pathfinder does. I don't know. Curious. Yeah, I don't know if the, the fallout of all the different licenses that are out there are going to matter in the long run, like 10 years from now, where it feels like they've all kind of, now they're all kind of pointing in the same way of just being more open and, and not so closed, where it looked like if you just said a year ago, it looked like a lot of those licenses wanted to close off avenues and like, you know, uh, well, they, you say a lot of those licenses, but there, there was no license. Like yeah. it was the OGL or any or nothing, you know. Right. So, but but I just mean like um, a lot of publishers trying to keep their content and then not let other people use that content. Like you know, whether it's music or video or mm -hmm. tabletop role playing games or whatever, they're all the 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 constraint on IP usage seem to be getting you know more and more locked down, more and more locked down. And then we had the big OGL blow up. And I think that blew it up. And, and we reset back to, wait a minute, why are you guys locking this down so much? Why should this should be open? And that would make you more business. And that's going to help your business grow versus trying to lock down your IP so nobody else could use it or put it in their stuff kind of thing. And I think now we're on a trajectory where it's more open, which is better than what we want. But I don't know, like in five years from now, would it have mattered? Will it just be a blip on the radar or, or what? For, for the orc license or the OG yeah. and there's like uh there's more than that right there's black flag and well, i'm trying like to how many other what, licenses what license now? is black flag using are they the orc license too we know. you know we dove into it a long time ago but now it's yeah <laughs> and now it's like oh. so press i know they were trying to do a uh tales of the valiant yeah i was like i wonder what Anyway, yeah, I don't know. It's curious. Well, let's talk about early 2023 yeah. where we had all of these crazy things. But yeah, um, I think they're going to... I don't know, I'll have to look that up later. See what license they're using. The other interesting thing about licenses, though, is like you could still use the original OGL. They're just kind of... People are kind of scared about it. And I, I don't think Wizards will touch it at least for 10 years to try and do anything mm -hmm. with that. But still, that's 10 years of stuff you're like, I don't really know if I want to publish into that. That being said, <clears throat> my latest DCC book has the OGL right in there, you know, like it, mm -hmm. that the DCC 100 that I got in the mail, it's got, uh, yeah, <laughs> so it's still, they're still using it. They're, they're not worried it, about yeah. it. So, and we, we asked Goodman Games about that in that interview and they said, you know, they, they worked through it. They weren't worried about it. They weren't stopping anything they were doing. They were just moving forward. Like it was going to resolve itself. Yeah. So they were pretty confident in it. Oh, Jordan um, needs a drink. So, yeah, somebody say sorry. DCC so Jordan can have a drink. Sorry. Everybody drink your water in your, your that's a, 
streaming thing, right? <laughs> to help people drink water. Stay hydrated or something. <laughs> Stay hydrated. Yeah, yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't been playing games because I'm in a I'm in a play right You're now. You're a busy guy. And I'm and uh, little boy had a a birthday, and we've got a party oh, we're happy to today for his birthday. So that's exciting. Chuck E. Cheese. Four years old. No, uh, we're going to we're going to the YMCA, but they have a huge climbing structure, and they'll let us rent oh. a room, and that's all he needs. He just needs to run with friends and get high on sugar. So that's what's happening. Perfect. <laughs> it'll be fun. No, it'll be great. It'll be oh. great. Um, but yeah. So I, and then I've been working, and uh, I've actually been writing a lot. Um, that. I think I said this online, but that idea of a, the GM is a necromancer and all of the players are skeletons and we'll call the game boned. I, <laughs> nice. I'm like, the more I think about it, I'm like, that is the coolest idea. So I've been writing, I took um, Ben Milton's Maze Rats and I mm -hmm. reconfigured it so everyone can play skeletons. <laughs> And mm -hmm. now I'm I'm gonna I'm writing this and I'm gonna I'm gonna put it out there at some point so you guys can play it. I think it'll be fun. So I'm at the That's stage cool. right now where I'm I'm writing a mini adventure to play like the introduction to playing boned. And then um once I play test that a couple times, I'll I'll throw it out there. But I think it'll be really fun to uh <laughs> be uh play a, a random skeleton that you're like, why am I here? What's going on? <laughs> so I've been writing a lot um, and then reading a lot. The The new Planescape stuff arrived at my house, so I've been reading that. And there's a couple of fun things here and there. I got a Kickstarter. Oh, I got a Monty Cook Kickstarter in the mail. That's like a world. It's called the, Gl the Glimmering Valley. It's a Numenera kind of like supplement adventure mm -hmm. setting. Um, it was part of my Cypher System Kickstarter from back in the day. So I haven't read that yet, but it's on my to read list. Still, still memorizing lines, memorizing lines, guys. Um, <laughs> so I'm not, I'm really too busy. But I wanted to say something that really uh, touched me, or you know, like made my heart I'm happy. I'm wearing my Monty Cook shirt. Oh, there you go. Yeah, something that made my heart happy the other day is uh, some one of my friends, one of my cast members, was like, "Hey, you know that like dragon on the mount that you like ran us through a long, long time ago?" And I was like, "Yeah." She's like, "I still run that. Like, I ran that for like my friends." And I was like, "Oh, that's really cool that you still like it mm -hmm. and run it." And then another one of my friends that I ran dragon on the mount through, he was like, "Hey, I just wanted to let you know, I'm running D and D for my girlfriend's nephew." And I'm going to be running Dragon on the Mount. And I'm like, people are still playing my game. And it like, made my heart all happy. I was like, that's so cool that yeah. you guys are still getting value out of it. And that it's like, it's still doing well, you know, for like a fun little yeah. one shot that's a dollar on the DMs Guild. So, yeah. And a great introduction, really, to somebody who's new at Dungeons and Dragons, because I think it's it's light enough. It's easy. It's quick. It's a one session kind of thing. And mm -hmm. it has a nice twist at the end that's nice and surprising. And yeah, it's, it was great. So I ran it super for fun too. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I just kind of was like, I don't know. Like, I, uh, you, if you're Jordan, you beat yourself up a lot about the things you make <laughs> when you shouldn't, <laughs> because in the end, it's like, no, people actually really like that. You just don't hear about it a lot. Oh. So, um, but other than that, uh, my poor Plangea game is still not happening because uh, people went to Mexico on vacation and oh, then were memorizing lines and trying to do all this other stuff. I really think it's going to be after Christmas that we actually get that going. But 
I have high hopes for after Christmas that we get Plangea <laughs> going because I still have they're still very excited about it. They're like, I might have to like reread your your intro. I was like, no, 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 but we got to do it. Mine's right there. So Plangea. good. So good. <laughs> And then uh, in one of my one of my discords, somebody was like, does anybody know any third party 5e settings? And I'm like, Plangia, Historica, <laughs> Arcanum. Like, you got to yes. go check these out. They're so cool. <laughs> yes. So. I've gotten some Kickstarter updates on that one. And I'm just like, I can't wait to get my hands. And my wife gave me the, the craziest look. Did you spend $199 on a game? And I'm like, you bet I did. <laughs> <laughs> I got the raised eyebrow. I'm like, nice. this is gonna be good. <laughs> well, what are what is Lucian doing in the world of Dungeons and Dragons? So uh, we are Dungeon of the Mad Mage. We are about to go down to the 21st floor of the Dungeon of the Mad Mage. For any of you that are keeping track, um, we're getting close. I don't think there's. I think I've heard maybe there's 26 floors. I don't. I don't remember the total number, but I think we're getting close. I think yeah, 22, to how many 26, something like that. Yeah. Um, we got to deal with the lich. We got to do some fighting. Our characters are bananas cool as far as superhero like characters of, I think we're like at 18th level, even though most of us are split level, but it's like that type of character slinging abilities and, you know, all the gamifying we've been doing and all the magic items we have. And we get to the point now where magic items drop and none of us have enough attunement to use any of the things that are coming up. So now you're stuck. The two limiting factors in Dungeons and Dragons 5e, which drive me crazy, concentration. I can't cast a couple of cool spells because I can only have one concentration up at a time. And then attunement is now blocking us from doing some cool stuff too. And I get it. Because the game could, they've always said the game could get pretty out of control if they didn't have those those things in. But I'm just like, but I want to be able to cast these two spells that have concentration on it. I don't think it'd break the game. I think it'd be great. <laughs> well, and, and I guess you could make a magic item that lets you do two things at yeah. once. But uh, you're right, though. It's it's hard because you you have so many cool abilities, and it feels like you're mm -hmm. still limited to level five architecture you know yes, of like exactly. attunement and this but it's like yeah. but i don't know i mean the only we thing that gets more that. attunement slots is uh the artificer and, and we have yeah. one and i'm jealous of that guy because yeah. <laughs> he gets more stuff than i do and it really hurts my guy a little bit because i didn't roll good starting stats for my character so the items that I have attuned to have ramped my starting stats up, but that's meant that I couldn't use other cool items that would have attunement on them because I don't want to lose my 18 stats in a couple of things that have been bolstered by the items I have. Okay. So they're kind of boring as magic items go, but they're making my character solid and dependable but they're not, you know, I don't have a flaming sword or I don't have a sun blade or, you know, I don't have that. Yeah. I do have a cool bow. I have a sentient bow, which is cool. So that is fun. Um, and our dungeon master has used a few of those things to get around it. Because another blocker we ran into is sometimes you only have, you only have one bonus action in a turn, but there are many, many, many mechanics in 5e that could use or allow you a choice to do something with a bonus action. But now that I have so many, you're like, well, now it's taking up my bonus action, so I don't want to use it for that. So then I never mm. end up using a Hunter's Mark thing because I'm going to use it for something else. 
in my arcane archer build, but he has added like a the bow is able to do a bonus action style ability that is a normal ability I would have. So I don't have to waste my bonus action on that. The bow does it for me. I can use my bonus action on maybe I'm going to cast a bonus action spell. Maybe I'm going to move my hunter smart. Maybe I'm gonna I have a I'm an arcane archer so I can if I miss a target I can rebound that arrow over to another target using my bonus action. So I can use that as an ability to try to hit something, you know, do some Hawkeye tricks, trick shot stuff. Yeah. So that, but we have to do it because in the rules, as rules were written, we, I wouldn't be able to do it, but he's kind of gotten around a little bit in that for us in our game. That's cool. We still have had deaths. We've had characters die and somebody had to roll up another character and come in with a different character. So it's not like we were like 17 and we lost a, we lost a player. Um, so that still can happen. And, you know, power word death and all that stuff is on in play now and disintegrate, you know, and some, somebody got hit for 144 damage from like a meteor storm or something that just got ramped up. So it is still super dangerous, even though we have lots of hit points and lots of abilities and lots of uh, action economy. Mm-hmm. There are things that are still coming out of nowhere that can one shot a character, which is fun and keeps you on your toes. Halister, the mad wizard uh, is definitely keeping us on our toes. So definitely fun. Um, I'm glad this has been the biggest dungeon Dell I've ever done. It's the longest, I think, adventure we've ran so far. Um, and it's interesting. I think we're all also getting a little bit of excited to think about, well, what might the next campaign be? What might the next characters be also? Cause that's always a fun part, but um, mm-hmm. dungeon mad mage is going pretty well. And then my, uh, my group that is in Waterdeep, running just kind of a modified Faerun ca- campaign that we've been talking about a little bit in the show. Um, the tidal wave hit. They're all in the sewers. The sewers are filling up with nice. water. They were all spread out. They None of them knew anybody where they were. They slowly, by wandering the sewers, have come into contact with each other by two. So like the first two found each other and another two found each other. And, um, and now the group is together. So by the end of our last session that we ran, the four are together. They're in the sewers. The sewers are filling up with water. They feel like they need to find a way out. And they have finally found a way to the surface that hasn't been blocked by rubble or something. And they're about to find out, well, what does Waterdeep look like after they've been swept into the sewers and they have no idea what's going on after Mm. the big explosion and the big tidal wave and the big whatever. So that's the big reveal that's coming up here pretty soon. So that's that's been interesting to think about. Um, It's given me time to think about where I really want the campaign to go. I was hoping... I wanted to run a campaign where the players' decisions kind of decided where things were going, but they so far have seemed to be more of like the group that is looking for the quest that the dungeon master has put in there. So I've got to kind of slowly get them around that. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not creating anything for you guys. I am like a computer AI that the world reacts to what you do. So whatever you want to do is the adventure we're going to have. You guys get to decide, but they haven't quite, figured that out yet you're saying they were video game people though right so yeah yeah it makes sense ish i guess i shouldn't like lump people into that but um yeah they're looking for the gold exclamation point above somebody's head to say oh okay that's where we go next but now they're together so that always makes it a little bit better and i can get them and then i can decide you know where where i want to do i have played around with the idea that i could lead them through some of the storm king's thunder stuff because i still think that early one to seventh level 
parts of Storm King's Thunder is really cool and really iconic. Yeah. I don't think these guys have done it. And plus, I could start to introduce them to the bad guy that you know we're eventually going to make together here as we go through, nice and slow. But um, we haven't got to that part for them yet, so we have lots of time to, to keep going on that. So that's what I've been doing. That's what, uh, and then lots of Diablo Four. I have started playing. Um, a friend of mine has been playing Final Fantasy Fourteen. And I was like really into it, playing it all the time. And like I mentioned that, hey, I wouldn't mind playing it. Like, oh, you'd play? They were so excited that somebody would come play with them. So I'm I'm actually jumping in and starting to play a little bit of that again. I know you're a big Final Fantasy fan. Yeah. Um, I mean, I played 11 for so long. 14, I think I just got out of MMOs when 14 came around. But I did play it for yeah. two or three months and then stopped. Got my summoner up to whatever nice. was max at the time. <laughs> And I am playing, uh, so I'm playing an Arcanist at the moment, which I think will lead me into a Summoner. But I might yeah. switch, because the one, uh, I think I want to play a, a Black Mage. Sounded cool. So I might have to switch over to Thaumaturge first, then play Black Mage. I don't know how their job system works. I'm still yeah, working all a, that stuff. Yeah, it's a cool game, though. Yeah. Um, it is cool. You can yeah. switch easily, though. It's not like I have to create another character and do that. It's like the one character you start it can be all of the classes. You can have levels in all of the classes. You can switch all your stuff around. So it is very friendly to play around and try the other classes that are out there versus maybe some of the other games. So I'll be playing that. Very Should cool. Well, other than that, I'll be memorizing lines and I hope you guys have a happy What's the name of this play? <laughs> what? what? What's the play you're in? Oh, has, has uh, it's called Christmas yet? 2. Okay. Uh, Return of the Nativity, something like that. Um, so last last year, we did a play called Unexmas Story about Mary and Joseph, and then the wise men going to the wrong manger uh, at the birth oh. of Christ, and it it was a funny little comedy. So this is like the pseudo sequel to it, and uh, I'm playing Jesus, and it's him being older. And Santa Claus visits him to show him the uh, the Christmases of past, present, and future. And so there's like a, a Christmas carol kind of like motif on top of it. It's very funny. But um, nice. I think a lot of us just were like, how, how long is this? Because we were thinking it was short like the first one, but it's not. Uh -huh. It's like a full play. So I'm like, ah. And so, yeah, we're... Well, the wife is working on all these costumes. She's directing it, so there's all these uh, mm -hmm. costumes and stuff going on. Um, and she's built, getting the set going, and I'm memorizing lines and corralling the little boy. And so, yeah. But whenever you talk about that, the uh, only murders in the building just jumped to the forefront of my mind because the last season was them about putting on a, a Broadway show. Oh, fun. And so <laughs> it's all about theater and all about getting the show going and everything. So whenever you talk about it, that's just my my mind is Martin Short's running around as the director and, you know, just all this crazy shenanigans is going on. That's what I think <laughs> of when you talk about your show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So that'll be fun. That opens next Friday. So I've got a week to pull it together, Jordan. Pull it together. Um, How many lines? Huh? How many lines? Did you have like a number? Uh, I'm, the, I'm lines? the lead. I got a lot. <laughs> so there's just a couple of hiccup areas. I'll be looking at it today. Uh, cool. But yeah, but that's our show, ladies and gentlemen. Um, that's our show. We will see you uh, the next episode of the Saturday morning RPG show. 
stay cool, be happy, love each other, and play games. Bye-bye.